So a uh, uh, show of hands, who with us would like to have a little more peace in your life? Anyone? A little more, little more peace of mind, maybe a little, little more freedom from the, from the worries that you have each, uh, each day? Thank you. I, I was guessing I was not the only one. You're never supposed to ask a question if you don't know that some people are going to answer. Uh, how many of you have lived through a time in your life when you could have used more peace? So for everybody that has raised a hand already this morning or, or even just said to yourself, yes, I would so like to have more peace in my life. Encountering peace in Jesus is what we're going to explore in Matthew's gospel today. For those who maybe didn't raise a hand or are just at peace right now, man, let's just give thanks to God for that kind of peace that sustains our hearts. And, and my hope today is that as we encounter Jesus in Matthew's gospel, that we all might just leave with, with some, some thoughts about how we weather the storms in life that inevitably come. Let's, uh, let's pray. Holy God, as we hear these words as I share these words today. I just pray that you'll, you'll open a, our hearts to hear the message that you have for each one of us, that you'll help us in these moments to encounter not just your word, but to encounter the fullness of, of you, of, of your hope, your goodness, your love. May we be transformed by your word to live as faithful witnesses to the love you offer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we sort of dive in, it might be helpful today to just kind of think about what comes to mind when we talk about finding peace in our lives, because I, I don't know that we always mean the, the same thing. I think for some of us, when we think about, oh, I just need some peace, we think about like that spot in nature, and for some of you, it's probably the beach, for me, it's the mountain, for some, it, it may just be a park, that spot in nature where you can just sit and listen to the the sounds of nature. Anybody, anybody, anybody have a thought or a place that just comes to mind right now? It's like your happy place, right? Some of us love to go on vacation to that happy place where you can just sit and experience that kind of peace in our lives. And that, that kind of getting away, that, that, that sense of peace is, is important, but anybody who's been in this place and space and felt that deep sense of peace also knows another truth, what happens when the vacation ends, or we have to go back to work or school, right? We have to leave that place, and while we might take the memory with us, we can't exactly take that, that peace that we've experienced with us. So this isn't exactly the kind of peace that we're going to talk about in, in the encounter with Jesus today. There's another way, I think, to think about peace or envision peace in our lives, and, and it, it looks like it looks like this. It's that, that sense that we get of stillness, of being, um, while all the rest of the world is, is running around us. Some of you experience that in meditation or in prayer. It's a, just that, that sense of peace in the midst of, of the chaos in every other direction in life. The Hebrew word for this kind of peace is Shalom. Some of you maybe have even heard it used as a greeting, shalom. And at its heart, it means peace, but not in the sense that I think we sometimes define peace. This is a really deep sense of peace. The word actually translates to wholeness or completeness. 
We might think of it as being at one with God, with each other. We'll hear that in the communion liturgy, right? This idea of being at one with Christ, at one with, with God's world. Shalom carries that sense of, of peace, right? And this is, it's different than just feeling at ease for a moment or two. It's different even than just finding our happy place, this is the kind of wholeness, the kind of completeness that, that when we experience it, it, it allows us to know that it's going to be okay even if it isn't okay in the moment. It's the kind of the peace that allows those in a bomb shelter to find some sense of life and hope even when bombs are, are falling outside. This is actually a picture of of a bomb shelter in Ukraine where Christians are, are sheltering and, and praying. This is the, the kind of peace that allows those facing the end of life to do so with, with courage, focus on, on the blessings of life as opposed to the, the pain. And I think this is the kind of peace we long for, the kind of peace that we seek in our lives and in the world around us. And it's seeking this kind of peace that takes us to our encounters today in, in Matthew's gospel. Just we're picking up the story in, in Matthew. The, uh, the disciples are invited by Jesus to cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And it doesn't really say what their reaction was, but we have to imagine they wondered why they were getting into a boat and crossing over the Sea of Galilee. You'd go out in a boat to fish, but you wouldn't usually cross over to the other side. But they, they get in the boat, and then we pick up this story in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. This is what Matthew says happens next. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly... A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. I don't know about you, but if I put myself in the shoes of the disciples for just a moment, I've got some questions. Like, is it really so bad if our lives are in peril to wake Jesus up? Like, we've seen this guy do some pretty amazing things, and now we're, we're fishermen, so this storm, it obviously is really bad. So is it not okay to go, hey, Jesus, could you wake up? Because we could really need you right now. Right, which then leads me, when Jesus says, you of little faith, like, is he just teaching or is he mad at us? So I don't really want him to be mad at me. And what does he mean? Like, does Jesus mean that that we should trust even when we can't sense his presence right there with us? Does he, does he mean we shouldn't fear for our lives in his presence? Does, does Jesus mean that, that faith, 
right? Faith is meaning trusting in his ability to deliver us no matter how bad it gets. Or maybe there's more here that we can't see, right? Because we're going to the other side of the sea and and we, we've been raised to think there's nothing good on the other side of the sea. Those people are heathens. They don't believe what, what we do. Why, are, why is Jesus even taking us to the other side of the, of the sea? Right? Our people are on the side we came from. These are the, the people on the other side, they're heathens and they're strangers. Some of them are even enemies. The Roman Empire has a garrison over there. Why are, why are we going over there? Is, is Jesus... Is Jesus commenting on our faith and where he is leading us? Do we have a lack of faith in where Jesus is taking us? Maybe it's one of those, maybe it's all of those, but, but, but as readers of this story, what we hear Jesus saying to his followers, to the disciples, probably to us is, is look, if you will just have faith and trust in me. You don't have to be afraid. You'll find the kind of peace you're looking for. We don't have to give in to fear in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of where Jesus is leading us. We don't have to, to worry about what is on the other side to step outside of our comfort zone knowing that Jesus is with us. And then, regardless of whatever Jesus' tone is to his followers, do you notice what he does next? He calms the storm. He shows them this power that they need to trust that we should have faith in. His power can calm even the worst storms. As he encounters with Jesus, they invite us to find peace in the promise of his presence. Not in what we can do, not in whether things are going according to our plan, but no matter what, to find peace in his presence in any given moment. And now that doesn't sound so difficult, right? I mean, when things get hard, just find peace in, in Jesus. It, it sounds like a pretty, pretty simple instruction, and I suppose it's a pretty simple instruction. But do you know what? If you go to Google and you um, put in a search for books about finding peace on Amazon, you will find 40,000 different items. 40,000 different items on Amazon talk about how to find peace. How many of you have read at least one of those? Right? Most of us have pulled out a book at some point in our lives about finding peace. We have all these tools, all these ideas, five steps here, three steps there, the way to do it here. And yet, here we are today admitting we still don't find that kind of peace that we desire for our lives. So as we search for that peace, it might be worth taking a look at what comes after the storm story, the very, the very next story in Matthew's gospel and the encounter that happens with Jesus there. We're going to pick up that story. I invite you when you get home today, you can read it in, in your Bibles, but I'm just going to kind of summarize it. So they get to the other side, right? The storm is calmed by Jesus. The boat goes to the other side. And they get out on the other side of the, of the sea, and they, they're 
in an area that seems to be a burial ground, and the first two people that meet them, according to Matthew's gospel, are these two men that are possessed by demons. They've been relegated to the outskirts of town. Other gospels tell us they even tried to, to chain them. There was no way to contain them, so they've pushed them out of the, they've pushed them out of the town. And the, the demons, it says, they address Jesus. They know who Jesus is. As soon as he steps off the boat, and they start saying, like, Jesus, what are you doing here? What, what, do you, what do you have to do with us? And Jesus, he doesn't actually engage in conversation with them. He says one word to them, just one in Matthew's gospel. He says, go. And the, the demons go from these two men into this herd of of pigs. Matthew says it's a large pig. The other gospels say it's a herd of like 2,000 heads, a super huge group of pigs. The demons go into these, into these pigs, and the pigs plummet down the hillside and into the water and drown themselves. And then Matthew says the story spreads. He doesn't say how. We don't know if it's the two men go into town and they're healed and everybody's like, what happened to you? Or, or if it's people who saw this, we, we're not sure, but they go into town. And do you know what, what, the, what the men, what the people of the town do when they come out to see Jesus? You'd think, right? Maybe they congratulate him for, for casting out these demons, thankful? No. You might think that they'd be just thankful that he took these two men who were obviously a problem in the community. They'd been banished to the outskirts and are demon-possessed and causing problems. You might think they'd just at least thank him for, for you know, treating these two men. No. Right? All they can see is that this, whatever Jesus has done has disrupted their lives, has disrupted their economy, Right, 2,000 heads of a pig, that's a lot that they've, they've lost. That's all they can see. And so they come to tell Jesus, we need you out of here. Please get back in your boat and leave. We don't, we don't want you here. All they can see is the disruption in their community. All they can see are the problems and the challenges the chaos, the hurt, the loss. They can't see what Jesus is doing in the midst of that. Lives restored and, and healed. It's true, isn't it, of our human nature? It's so much easier to see the, the problems and the struggle and to get caught in the drama and the, and the chaos. My daughter's in junior high. And uh, many of you have had a child in junior high, right? And we make fun of junior high because of all the drama, right? But does it really end, if we're honest? I don't know. It's so easy to get caught up in the drama and the stress and the worry and fail to see that Jesus is there to redeem each and every moment. Jesus is at work in each and every moment of our lives. And yeah, it would be much easier just to get a self-help book that gave us three steps or, or five steps or do this for, for 10 minutes a day and you know, give Jesus 15 minutes of our week and then, and then find peace. But, but it doesn't work that way. Real peace, lasting peace. We begin to see in these encounters with Jesus Right, real peace is lived, it's experienced. It's not something we just sort of, sort of find in a self-help book and, and hang on to. Peace comes 
Peace comes when we find the presence of Jesus in our lives and hang on to it. Peace comes when we seek to see what Jesus is doing in our lives and around us and be a part of of that, not just in the good times, but in all times. There's a Buddhist uh, teacher, Vietnamese, uh, Tin Nhat Han, and he wrote a, a book called Peace is Every Step. And you might be like, okay, so Pastor Brian, why are you quoting a Buddhist in worship today? Uh, and the, the answer is, if you read this, this book, or, or really anything that he writes, he's a wonderful writer, and you just substitute like Holy Spirit and God in the more Buddhist language, you'll realize he's capturing these deep understandings of how we live in the presence of the divine. He wrote in, actually in another book, he says this, it is my conviction that there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. I invite you to just think about that for a moment. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Peace is the way, and the way we know, we gather today to live in the way, which is the way of Jesus. The way is living every moment as a divine moment, every moment as though the spark of God, the spark of the Spirit is at work in us, in others. Every moment knowing the saving love of Jesus Christ in our lives. When I hear people talk about trying to find this peace, they often end up focusing on the on the practice and not the way. And, and when people come and, and begin a conversation about just not having much peace in their lives, there's almost always an if-only statement, or it, it is at least implied. See if any of these sound, sound famili- familiar to you. If only this season of sports will end, then our family will be able to find some peace. If only... This struggle with health or death or disease would would end and pass. Then we can finally find some peace. If only this really busy time at work will pass by, then I'll finally be able to find some peace. If only our family could find some time for vacation, then we'll finally get some peace. The reality is that if we can't find the peace of Christ, if we can't connect to the peace of Christ in the most difficult times in the storms of our lives, then the, then the fleeting peace that we find in, the, in our happy place or in those other moments, it, it will never last. If the peace that we seek is only in the world looking exactly like we want it to, If the peace that we seek, we can only find if it's all under our control. We won't find it. It won't last. Lasting peace. This kind of peace that I think we crave and and we're looking for, it comes in knowing that Jesus is on the boat with us in the calm and in the storm. When we're in control of the boat and when the waves are crashing and we have no control. 
The peace comes in knowing that Jesus has got this in all of those moments. That Jesus is at work even when the economy is crashing. That Jesus is, is present and at work even when our life seems out of sorts. Because knowing that, holding on to that, allows us to see the hope that Jesus brings and the life that we can find in him. Eternal. True. And this kind of peace It comes not from mastering some practice. Now, don't hear me say that the practices aren't important. Right? The practices matter. But the peace we're talking about, it doesn't come from, like, figuring out the three steps or mastering some practice. The practices only work when they point us to Jesus in our lives in every moment. As I thought about how to help us find peace, in our lives this week, sort of in response to the sermon this week, I, I actually wrote out three different practices and put them in the Faith Fit Challenge. Some of you know there's a Faith Fit Challenge in your life guide every day, and it, it's an opportunity to take the, take the message and, and live it out. And so I'm like, what do we do for peace? I'm like, oh, I'll give them three practices. And then I started digging into these scriptures, and I thought, wait a minute, whoa. It's not about the practices. Meditation, prayer, those are important And they can give us a sense of peace and and slow us down, but they're only as good as how they point us to the true sense of peace, which is Jesus in every moment. Right? We want a quick fix. But peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness, being one with Christ, one with the world. Right? It only comes when we give our whole lives to Jesus, each and every moment, each and every action, when we align our values and our priorities to Jesus. So here's the thing. As long as sports or band or or other involvements look like our number one priority, we're not going to find that peace. As long as our our jobs or making money is the number one priority, we're not going to find that peace. As long as school or or finding security in in stuff or enough is our, our priority, we won't find that peace. True peace. The kind of peace that allows us to face death with courage. The kind of peace that allows us to go out and change the world and mission because we're fearless. The kind of peace that allows us to live even in the worst of times with real hope and and real joy and a real sense of goodness. That peace comes in making our relationship with Jesus the number one priority of our lives. So I went back to that faith fit challenge this week and I thought, what, is, what does it look like to help us? What, what, what do we do to help us make Jesus the, the center of our lives? And this is my invitation to us this week to begin to answer this invitation to, to make Jesus the center and experience the peace he wants for us. 
I want to invite us to, to just focus on, on Christ by focusing on his word. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, I want to invite you to memorize verses 6 and 7, which say this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Flag that scripture, print it and, and write it down, put it somewhere and read it over and over and over again this week until, until you just can say it by heart. And then when life gets stressful and you feel the anxiety, when when the job is beginning to press on you, when all the kids' activities are beginning to, to press on you, when you just feel out of sorts, just repeat those verses as a reminder to keep Christ at the center. There's a book called Sleeping with Bread, Holding What Gives You Life. It's written by these uh, spiritual and retreat leaders uh, Matthew, Sheila, and Dennis Lynn, and they tell this story in the book. During the bombing raids of World War II, there were a lot of kids left orphaned in, uh, in Europe, um, particularly Eastern and, and Central Europe. Some of those kids were rescued, a good number of those kids were rescued and, and put into refugee camps and sort of makeshift orphanages where they were fed and they were cared for. But one of the things that they found, even after they found these kids wandering the streets and got them into their refugee camps, is that the kids couldn't sleep at night. Like there was so much trauma, they didn't, they didn't know from day to day until they were taken in where their next meal would come from, that at night the, the trauma all just returned and they couldn't they couldn't sleep until finally in, in one of the camps, a, a psychologist suggested they tried everything else, said, you know what, let's give the kids a piece of bread to hold on to while they sleep. Could just be an assurance. It would invite the kids just to be able to say, today I ate and tomorrow I will eat again. And it worked. They found that just giving the kids a piece of bread to hold on to, it assured them that their needs would be met, that they were no longer alone, that somebody was there for them, to care for them, to provide for them. Today, in a moment, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. We're going to remember that Jesus took bread and as a reminder to his disciples of his, of his presence, of his, of his witness, he broke it, blessed it, and gave it to them. And, and ultimately, this, this gift, this meal, was to proclaim his presence to the world. Whenever you do this, he said, remember me. Holding onto the bread, Jesus said, would remind us of his presence. Holding on to the bread, Jesus said, we'd be invited to know that nothing would separate us from his love. Holding on to the bread today can help us hold and see and sense the peace that comes in knowing Christ is with us in every moment.